0: with you. Um, As I said, uh, Simon's on holiday and it has felt to me to be with you this morning. (laughs) And uh, just want to share a few thoughts with you. It'd be good to have the right page, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, My title this morning is What Do You See? And uh, we'll see as we go along what uh, what I mean by that. What do you see? One of the things I like to do when we, we go off on holiday is to get up early in the morning and uh you know while it's still quiet um i was going to say dark but it's not no, it's not it's not dark um but it's quiet there's nobody about i mean there's not many folks about anyway where we where we go um but early in the morning there's very few folks about uh, and what i do is uh, i walk up onto the top of the cliffs and and you know walk along the cliffs Uh and it's, you know, usually quite good, you know, you can see see quite a way. But one of the mornings this week, uh, this this time when we went away, it was, it was misty. I don't know whether you remember, it's, summer hasn't really started yet, has it? So, um, you know, we've had some sort of the rain and, uh, and you know, then it's got warm. So you've got the mist and that. So one of the mornings when I got up, uh, I went out and it was, you know, it was a bit foggy. So I walked up onto the... Uh, onto the top of the cliffs, uh, and by the time I got there it was quite foggy. <laughs> um, it was a bit like Moses going up uh, Mount Sinai, you know, you sort of, I was up there and uh, you couldn't see the path back down again, you, you couldn't see couldn't see the sea, you couldn't see the calves either side uh, that you normally can see, uh, so it was, you know, it was, it was quite foggy. Uh, so I couldn't see the way ahead, uh, and I couldn't go at the normal pace that, uh, that I usually do. Uh, I've got this, this habit that it normally takes me 20 minutes to get to the, the, the top uh, onto the cliffs, um, but it obviously took longer. And this gave me the thought um, while I was up there that I'm bringing today. And it's uh, how we see things often determines the path that we take how we see things determines where we go and how we go. I just want to look at a few people and events in the Bible today. Um, I'm going to look at two or three or four. Um, and how they saw things and uh, and the effect it had on what they did. Now it's always good to start at the beginning, isn't it? And our first one, we got right back to Genesis. Genesis. Uh, And we have uh, in Genesis chapter two, the account of the garden of Eden. In Genesis two verse eight, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put a man he formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had provided this garden for food for Adam with the instruction that everything could be eaten except the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It says that in verse 16, 16, 17, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So God provided this garden for food for Adam. Um, He gave him everything, everything he needed, uh, everything he could eat. But with that one instruction, uh, that he couldn't eat from that one tree in the the middle of the garden. And uh, everything went well, didn't it? He was quite happy there, he was uh, communing with God. Uh, But then God provided a helper for Adam. In the, in the shape of Eve. He'd noticed that Adam, he was alone, even though God spoke to him and talked with him in the garden. And he said, it's you know, it wasn't good for him to be on his own. And he, uh, he brought all the animals to him. And uh, Adam watched them all go past and he gave them all their names. But none of them, you know, really did it for him. None of them, you know, were really good enough to be a real companion to him. So God uh, provided Eve from his own body, and we read in chapter three how the serpent came to Eve. The serpent is the is the devil. The devil uh, take, uh, took the form of a serpent, uh, and it must have been quite a quite a nice looking thing um, because it wasn't turned to it wasn't turned to a snake until afterwards. So he's obviously some, you know, it was something that um, was appealing to Eve. And uh, he comes to Eve and he he starts to question God's instructions, didn't he? He says, "Did God really say, you know, he, di- he didn't say he didn't say it. He he just put the question there, the thought into Eve's mind. Did he really say that?" And Eve quite rightly told him what God has said. She said, God has said, we, you know, we can eat of everything, but we can't eat of that tree. And that was probably her, her biggest mistake. Um, she entered into conversation with, with the devil. She started to talk to him. We're reading uh, in verse 1. It says, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And uh, the devil probably knows the scriptures better than we do, or possibly much better than we do. Uh, remember, he quoted the scriptures to Jesus, didn't he, when he was in the in the desert? Uh, he knows what the Bible says. He knows what God's laws are. He knows all the things about it. Uh, and so it was. It was. It was one up on Eve, really, uh, in that way, because. He knew already what God had said, and so he was he was able to, to lead her on. And so entering into a, a debate or a conversation with the devil isn't a good thing. You know, he'll twist things. He says, you know, he is the lawyer. He'll, he'll turn anything round. Even though he'll speak the truth, he'll say it in a way that doesn't seem right. Just to twist things. And it's easy for us, isn't it, you know, to, to start that debate in our minds when some, we want to do something, uh, and we think, well, no, it's not, not right. But then the devil will come in and say, well, it's, it's not that bad. So that was the mistake. She entered into a conversation with the devil. And we shouldn't enter in, into debates with him. James 4 tells us we should resist the devil at all times. If we resist him... Don't give him a foothold into things. If we don't give him the entrance, don't give him the the opportunity to twist things around, uh, then he he won't be able to to start doing things like that. Don't give him that foothold. So what did Eve see? Come back to the title. She saw the the fruit, it was good to eat. I don't know what it looked like. It was obviously something really special, something that really showed up. and she focused on this one. But you know, God had provided the whole garden for Eve to eat from, all the fruit. And it was probably all good. It probably all looked, you know, really enticing. But there was something about this one. Uh, and she was drawn to it. She was drawn to the appearance of this particular fruit. You know, God has supplied everything she needed. And He's promised to supply everything we need, haven't we? And doesn't He? You know, He'll supply all our needs if we just trust in Him. Eve had got everything she needed. She didn't need this this other one. And she also saw it was desirable to give her wisdom. Uh, She wanted to make her own decisions in life uh, and control her own actions. Uh, The devil had told her she'd be like God. You know, you'll be as as wise as God. You'll know everything that's going on. She didn't see that particular tree as proof that God was in control and she she had everything provided that she needed. Instead, she saw it as a way of being self-determining, self-sufficient, and self-controlling. And that caused her to take the action that she did. And uh, we know what happened. She brought condemnation on herself, but also, consequently, uh, condemnation on all of mankind. Just a a side thought on that. You know, where, where was Adam in all this? Um we often put the blame on Eve, don't we? We all say, Oh, it was Eve's fault that we're in this mess. But Adam was right there beside her. Uh, it says in, in verse, verse eight, she, she took the fruit and then she gave it to Adam who was with her. So he was he was there. He was he, you know, he wasn't sort of over the other side of the garden, he was right there beside her. She was made to be his helper. He was supposed to be responsible. Uh, God gave him the instruction first. He, he told, God told Adam you know, not to eat of these, this tree. Um, it was his responsibility. So why wasn't he pulling her away? Why, why wasn't he directing her? Just a thought. You know, it's a responsibility of mature believers in Christ, isn't it? Those that have been on the pathway uh, longer, have known how the devil works and how things work in, in our lives, to watch out for those that are younger in the faith, you know, to be that encouragement to them, who may be uh, more easily drawn into things that are not good and things that are, would take them away from God. So as Adam was the responsible one, so we, who are older in the faith, <clears throat> not particularly older in, in years, you can be young, but still be old in the faith, can't you? Um, you know, to be a guide for those who um, who are younger and not as experienced in the ways that the devil would come in and try to take you away. Our next one is uh, is Moses. In uh, in Exodus three, we've got the account where Moses uh, encountered the burning bush. Oh, and. Uh, if you remember, Moses had had uh, gone from Egypt and he'd been wandering in the desert and he was with his father-in-law's sheep and he came up on the burning bush. And this is in, uh, in Exodus 3. And uh, when he came up on the burning bush, God spoke to him and he says, I want you to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let all the Israelite people go. And uh, you know the story that, uh, he didn't want to go. He started making the excuses. Uh, he says, "You know, who am I? I'm not good enough. Um, they won't listen to me." Uh, and remember, he was he was in that position because he'd killed somebody in Egypt and he'd run off. Um, so he was a bit probably wary about going back there, as somebody might recognise uh, who he was and remember. Uh, so he made all these excuses, didn't he? And uh, and finally, God. Says to him, says, what's what's in your hand? Uh, so he looks down and, and he says, it's, it's my staff. <laughs> you know, wondering probably, you know, where's this going? Um, and God tells him to throw it down on the ground, doesn't he? And when he throws it on the ground, it turns into a snake. Uh, and he, he ran off. It's not really surprising, is it, you know? Uh, <laughs> He ran away, but then God says to him, "Now, now pick it up by its tail." Uh, and those of you that know anything about snakes, you know the tail isn't the end to pick up. <laughs> you know um, they're quite agile, and uh, the other end's got the teeth in, and they, they'll turn round, won't they? And, and boy, you know, those, you know, if you've seen you know films of folks that, that work with snakes, they sort of grab it behind the neck, don't they? I don't know whether I'd fancy doing that or either. <laughs> but, uh, but there you go, you know, God told him to pick it up by its tail, which again, is something you just don't do. And Moses' argument all through this conversation with God was based on his own abilities, wasn't it? What he saw in himself. Um, and God's demonstrating here was, uh, with his staff, was to show the power that he had and the authority that he had in God's name. Verse 17 says, "Take this stuff with you, so you can perform miracles." So it's not his own ability, not not your ability, not what you can do, not how you can speak, um, but it's my ability through you that will help you to do these things. And often we look at ourselves and we say we're not good enough, don't we? Um, I'm not not good enough to, to stand up and speak. I'm not good enough to do. Uh, I'm not gifted enough to to work with the children. I'm you know I'm not uh, able to do what others can do. I can't play the piano. Um, I can't play anything except my mouth. Um, and we very often look at our own abilities, don't we? And we say we're not able to do what others can do. And uh, God says, I don't want you to do what others can do. You know, I want you to be who you are. I've given you the talents that you've got, whatever they may be. I want you to use those talents for me, you know, not work on your own abilities. It's like, you know, the stuff that you got in your hand, it's not it's not just a stick, it's, it's what I can do with it. And we've got the promise that we can do all things through Christ. If we see things the way that God sees them, then we have the whole might of God behind us, haven't we? See things that he can see. Moses' staff was just a stick that helped him to walk along. But God saw it as a way of doing miracles and and opening the doors in Pharaoh's kingdom. The third one is Gehazi. Uh, Gehazi was Elijah's servant, and we read that in 2 Kings Chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6 says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of you is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So we got the story there the, the King of Aram was, was at war with Israel, as very often Israel was, was, was having a fight with somebody, weren't they? Um, and uh, every time he made plans, the King of Israel knew about it. And he was convinced he'd got, uh, he'd got a mole in his, in his army somewhere that uh, was listening to the plans and, and going off and telling the King of Israel uh, what was going on. So that every time he, he went to battle, uh, the king of Israel was was ready and, and waiting for him. And uh, when he asked the officers, um, they said, "No, it's it's Elisha in uh, in Egypt, in uh, in Dothan." How they knew, I don't know. How, how they knew that it was Elisha that was was doing this. But uh, the king of Aram. Said, "Okay, we're going to go down and we'll we'll surround it where he is and we'll you know we'll take him captive. We'll we'll stop him doing that." And so he sent his troops by night and surrounded the city of Dothan, Uh and he was there ready to capture him when he, he got up in the morning. And when Gehazi got up and uh, threw the curtains back and looked outside, he saw all these troops outside, all these chariots, all the troops round about. And that's what he saw, all the Armenian troops outside, the problems, the difficulties, you know, what was going to happen, uh, all, the, all the trouble around him. And he asked Elisha what they were going to do. Um, and Elisha tells him not to worry. He says, there, there's more of us than there are of them, in, in verse 16. And you can imagine Gehazi sort of looking around the room, and there's Elisha and him. Uh, and he, you know, sort of thinking, well, okay, where, where are all these folks then? Uh, but Elisha praised that Gehazi's eyes would be opened. And when he looked again, what did he see? Come on. When he looked again, he saw troops and chariots of fire all around Uh, all the hills, it says, all the hills around were filled with horses and chariots of fire. Notice that Elisha had already seen them. They were already there in verse 16. Elisha knew, knew that they were there. He, he could see them all there. They were there all the time. And you know, we can focus on the problems, can't we? The difficulties and the challenges that, that we've got in life. And, you know, we're no different to anybody else. We've got the problems, we've got the difficulties. And there are many of them. Or we can see with, the, with faith the heavenly armies that surround us. And they're there, ready to fight for us. Uh, they're there all the time. We just need that eye of faith to see them and to believe that God's there waiting uh, to jump into action for us. So that was uh, some examples from from the Old Testament. That was then. What about now? What about us here and now? What do we see? The cross. What do we see when we look at the cross of Jesus? Is it a a point in history when a a good man was put to death because of what he said and what he did uh, and the people didn't like what he was saying and, and what he was doing? The the history books of the time and the writings that were there tell us that the the crucifixion was a fact. It actually happened. Um, so was it just a point in history when people took offence at what he was saying, what Jesus was saying, or is it an unfulfilled promise, like the Jews believed they were going to get a conquering hero that was going to save them from all the oppression that they were in? Was it? Just that unfulfilled promise uh, that this conquering hero would come and deliver them from the oppressors. Or is it the fulfilment of the promise of God that God would send his son to break the curse of sin that began in the Garden of Eden, as we said right at the beginning? Is it that promise that was fulfilled? It's what we see that will determine what we do. Seeing the cross demands an answer. You can't look at it and, and just push it aside. You've got to make a response one way or the other. We can see it as an, 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 yeah, an insignificant event. You know, it was just a point in time. It was just a, po- a point in history. Or it was, you know, something for the Jews. It was, you know, it was just there. Uh, they're looking for this conquering Savior and we can ignore it and, and go and live in our lives in our own way and uh, the way we want to do. All we can accept it is the promise that God sent His Son to die for us and to be our Savior uh, and to be our way back to him. And lastly, I said I wasn't going to be long, didn't I. <laughs> so what do you see now? What do you see now? Last week was Pentecost, wasn't it? It was, really, honest. Uh, Pentecost was um, the time when we remember that the disciples were up in the upper room uh, and they'd been told to wait there by Jesus when he went back to heaven. And uh, while they were there, the Holy Spirit came down into that room and filled them uh, and gave them power. As we know, afterwards, they went out into the marketplace. That was the birth of the church, as we know it. And uh, we remember that that power of God came down onto earth. And again, we can either treat it as, well, that was then or is it now? How do you see Hope Church, where we are now today? Is it is it a place where we, we come together, we sing some nice songs, we sing, you know, good choruses and we get together and we celebrate uh, and thank God for his salvation um, and we do that week by week but then we're we're either waiting to go to heaven or we're waiting for his return you know is, is that what it's about you know we just come week by week and praise God uh, and we're, we're just waiting to go to be with him or is it where the power of God can flow through each and every one of us into the community to bring others to know Christ as their Saviour? We've been praying over many weeks, probably for many months, that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, will be manifested in each one of the folks in our church here, in our people. And I continue to urge you this morning, you know, seek those gifts, whatever they might be, I said earlier, we've all got talents, God's given us gifts, and He's, he's promised the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need uh, people that can teach, we need people that can preach, we need people that can evangelize, uh, people that can be hospitable. And I urge you know, the, all these gifts are there from the Holy Spirit, and each one of us uh, is encouraged to have these gifts. So, what do we see this morning? Is it a church where we're just treading water, waiting for God to come or to go to heaven? Or are we a church here that wants to be full of the Holy Spirit? What you see will determine the path that you take. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you speak to each and every one of us and lord i pray this morning that uh, the words that you've given me would be your words and lord anything that is of me would just fall to one side but lord you will speak into each and every individual here this morning that has heard this message i just pray that you would encourage them i pray for that power of the holy spirit to infill and indwell each and every one here lord that we would be what you want us to be lord what we what we see is what we'll do, and I pray that you open our eyes, open our eyes to see what you can see. You can see the way forward uh, for each of us as an individual and for us as a church here in this community. So, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us, you'll guide us, and you will be a real blessing to each and every one. In Jesus' name, Amen.